Hey, Risto here with George Mason University. We're back with another curriculum podcast. Uh, we've been racking these up quite nicely. Uh, we've done several of these uh, covering countries all around the world, and I have commitments from several other scholars to bring more on. So if you want to hear more of these podcasts, you can go find the info by uh, going to at the HPE podcast on Twitter and going to that pinned tweet right on the top. And that links you to the episodes by category in a Google Doc. So you can see the different ones, um, New Zealand, um, you know, the Canadian one and Norwegian and Finnish and so on and so forth. But Today, we are here with Oscar Nunez Enriquez, and he is here to share some thoughts on the Mexican curriculum. So, Oscar, bienvenidos to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Hola, hola. ¿Cómo están? Uh, muy bien. Gracias. Uh, so, let's go into the curriculum. Has have there been developments in this curriculum? Meaning, has it been changed? Can you kind of give us a history of, uh, of the curriculum in general? Yes, absolutely. So the Mexican curriculum had had uh, seven major curriculum changes over the past 70 or 80 years. So um, I would like to be, I mean, to give you a brief, uh, a brief summary of the curriculum established in Mexican schools. So the first one was implemented in uh, during the 1940s, and it and, and its focus was a more military-based curriculum. Around the 1960s, it was more it was implemented a more sports-based curriculum. Uh, this focus more encompassed the, the sports-based comp- curriculum focused more on competition instead of education. That was the, uh, the 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 main characteristic of this approach. Mexico held the, the 1968 Olympic Games, so the Mexican government wanted to have something that portrayed the spirit of Olympism, but at the same time um, having a, a an impact on schools in a way. Mm-hmm. During the 1970s, 74, 75-ish, it was implemented a more psychomore curriculum, and its focus was more towards a health-based approach, if, you, if we can say that. Uh, this led to, the, to an actual health-based focus implemented during the 1980s. But in 1994, um, it was implemented what was, has been the one that gave teachers more uh, a more clear idea of how to teach in a way, uh, which is called uh, Motriz Integración Dinámica or um, Dynamic Motor Integration. It was more like a standard-based like curriculum because we, we cannot say it was standard-based because it wasn't standards that as teachers we needed to follow, but had similarities to a standard-based approach. Uh, during the uh, 2006, it was implemented uh, the uh, comp- competi- competency-based approach, and by 2017, it started a standards-based curriculum. That it was and now it PE teachers need to follow these standards in order for students to learn what the curriculum says. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting because it's almost like a like a really cool case study and looking at the 1940s world war ii going on military-based curriculum 1960s you know that the olympic games are coming so you take a more competitive approach i know 1994 was a big like political turmoil in in the early 90s in mexico and you did a new change and it seems like every like 
10 years, you're making what seemed to be really dramatic changes, not like small, small changes. You're going from a health-based to a, or motor skill-based to a health-based to a standards-based. Um, so has, has that become a, a challenge for, uh, for teachers? Like, is it hard for them to kind of like know what's happening? Are they, are the teachers on board with these changes or do they, is it just like a top-down approach? It has created a, quite a challenge for teachers because if you see, if you think about it over the over a period of ten years, when you're learning a new approach, when you're learning a new way how to how to create your class, and once you're settled, for some reason, it's changed to a new one. Mm-hmm. So it, it doesn't ha- it doesn't give either teacher and students a way to 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 learn how to implement this new approach within their 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 practice or within their the the type of uh, knowledge they need to acquire or the type of thing that we need to learn and teach them so it has created a challenge and one of the things that i've seen in uh, the mexican uh, pe practices is that some aspects of each of these curriculums have been uh, passed on over the years like Mm -hmm. for instance um, the 1940s uh, military-based curriculum focused on a more control type of teaching abilities and i remember when i was undergrad uh, here at the university of chihuahua that one of the classes focused on those in control environments how to the class management the, the class management class focused more on those exercises from the 1940s which was interesting because um in a way we have changed but we still portray different axes from each curriculum because it, we haven't had the time to actually implement one that focus on all the aspects of has been emerged within our context. Right. So what is it now? Like what is Mexican PE just in general? What does it look like now? So the Mexican curriculum is based in one major curriculum component, which is named uh, more competitive competency. So now this is grounded on three major standards or pedagogical components. Uh, as the curriculum mentions. Uh, one of them is Desarrollo de la Motricidad, which is motor development. The second one is Integración de la Corporidad, which is body integration or embodiment. And the third one is Creatividad de la Acción Motriz, which is creativity in motor action. And these pedagogical components have what the curriculum names or as expected learnings. And that this is like what children are expected to learn within the Mexican PE classes, which leads us to a more standard-based approach that uh, children need to learn this from K to um, middle school. Because one of the differences between um, education in Mexico and in the U.S., uh, one of those differences is that Mexican curriculum goes, Mexican PE curriculum goes from K to ninth grade. Mm -hmm. 10, 11, and 12 grades in Mexico are high school. And PE, it is required only one semester and can uh, students can take credit for that class doing extracurricular activities. So that is not a required core class in high schools, and uh, which takes away a lot of opportunities for PE teachers to, to, to help students to engage in physical activity. Right. 
And uh, for uh, another thing is that like elementary school here in Mexico goes from first grade to sixth grade. Middle school goes from seventh grade to ninth grade. Mm-hmm. And and I know that in the U.S., some schools goes from first grade to five grade, and then middle school goes from sixth grade to eighth grade, and then high school goes from nine to twelve. So it is quite uh, uh, interesting. And another thing is that um, physical education K classes are usually thirty minutes at least once a week, and elementary and middle school um, classes are fifty minutes at least once a week. But that would depend on the uh, job openings that the, that, that the school district has. Mm-hmm. Um, if as, because another difference is that PE teachers are not hired by the school, are hired by the district or the, the educational system. And the educational system can say, you're going to uh, school A, B, and C during this week. Um, or during this school year. So you need to be able to fit all those three schools within a week. So you can go from school A Mondays, school B on Tuesdays and Wednesdays, and school C uh, Wednesdays and Fridays. So one teacher might be going to several schools at the elementary level. So it's not like I have my home school. This is where I'm at. Exactly. Oh, interesting. Interesting. Uh, So is high school in a way, optional, like 10th, 11th, and 12th? Like, where, where does mandatory, like, education stop? Does it stop at 9th, or do you have to go all the way to 12th, and at 18, you can stop mandatory school? Well, mandatory school goes uh, until 9th grade. Okay. However, this, uh, the, the, this new uh, government um, that just took office is implementing a uh, new school policy that is pulling mandatory education up to 12th grade, which is great because one of the things that happens is that most of the jobs, um, manufacturing jobs, other type of jobs that does not require a, I mean, um, a, a bachelor's degree are requiring a, at least a high school degree. Uh, so that also will push us and help us as PE teachers because if mandatory school goes on up to 12th grade, that will help us to have that opportunity, required opportunity to provide that, those spaces for physical activity also in high school. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So let me go back to the standards-based question. Are, are these standards similar in the way that what I would know as state standards in Virginia or California or national standards? So you have like three domains of learning, you have your five you know, main standards, and then you have all of these sub things like in sixth grade, you should be learning how to, you know, swim or, you know, balance or, you know, throw a ball or throw a football or no strategy. Are, are they that detailed? Some of them are and some others are quite general. But the thing is that these standards are national. So there are in state uh, standards. Mm-hmm. So this PE curriculum is nationwide. I mean, nationwide, and um, so especially standards from middle school are more specific. So students need to learn these specific skills. Mm-hmm. Students need to learn, uh, for instance, um, up here up the north, they need to learn 
skills uh, that more focus on throwing and catching or uh, kicking and punting because baseball and basketball and, and sometimes soccer up here on north uh, of Mexico are more popular than in the, the than in the south of Mexico. And for instance, in the in the south of, of Mexico, they apply those those skills into their their more popular sports as well. But for for K elementary are more general in a way. They're not as specific as middle school. Uh, so that gives that gives a leeway for teachers to actually um, having different strategies for them to teach what their students are supposed to learn from one grade to another. And that provides a lot of opportunity for teachers to be more creative as well, and, and, and focus on taking that, taking in consideration aspects such as the, their cultural background, or their community, or or other aspects that might influence their 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 PE uh, class. So that's a good thing that you brought up there is that culturally responsiveness is. So is that written into the curriculum? You you talked about how the north of Mexico versus the south of Mexico are are very different. You have indigenous people who live there. You have people who live in a city. You have people who live rurally. So like, is that culturally responsive aspect uh, written into the curriculum, or is that something more of a hope that it's not written down on paper? It is not. I mean, it says that we need to consider those aspects, but it doesn't say or doesn't give us a guideline how to um, how to how to how to do it. Mm-hmm. But given us that opening that we need to consider all those aspects, that gives that gave teachers who already know their community that they need to create opportunities for their community to engage in physical activity through their PE classes mm-hmm. using what is um, what is in a way expected for their community to to have uh, uh, those activities those physical activity included within their within their every teacher's curriculum but um, at the same time on the opposite side teachers who are not willing to take in consideration those aspects uh, because it doesn't say that Mm-hmm. It it has to be a requirement. Right. Do not take into consideration those things, um, and and they keep portraying uh, traditional ways of teaching that is not helping students to engage in physical activity. Uh, but I see it the way I see it. I see it more towards creating a change because this is the very first time that the national curriculum says that we need to consider those. I mean, those cultural aspects within our PE practice. Yeah. Uh, and that that's a, that's a huge step for for a country who has been really really top down, uh, who has who PE teachers have been taught that they need to have the control over the class and content plan for their classes. Yeah, and and you mentioned a national curriculum. So if I'm in Chihuahua or Mexico City, am I learning the same same things then? Yes. So one of the one of the things is that uh, is expected that children that are in Chihuahua or in Mexico City they need to learn those standards. Of course, that small phrase, perhaps uh, the curriculum what wouldn't look like the same in Mexico City or 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 in Chihuahua, but the 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 final outcome 
it will look the same in students because they need to learn the same skill or they need to learn the same um, aspects, uh, whether whether they're here or there. But yeah, they, they need to, they, the teachers need to take into consideration those in order for, for their students to learn something. Mm-hmm. And is there, a, you talked about what classes typically are, kindergarten classes typically about 30 minutes once a week, elementary, middle school, 50 minutes at least once a week. Is there a minute requirement that the Mexican government says that you have to have this amount of PE uh, per year, or per week, or per day? Yeah, so the, the Mexican government, through their uh, normas oficiales mexicanas, which is the Mexican official norms, um, it states that uh, kindergarten, kindergartners, elementary, elementary and middle schoolers, they need to have at least 60 minutes a week of physical activity, um, which is quite interesting. Uh, one of the uh, congressmen from here in Chihuahua has been working on a national policy that it requires having at least three, at least three times a week or a minimum of um, three hours per week uh, for kindergartners, middle schoolers, and, and elementary schoolers as well. Uh, it, has, it hasn't been approved yet, but one of the things that happens is that at least here in the state of Chihuahua, that's going be, to become a, a requirement uh, starting next year. Mm. So that, that the, the, the national standards, in a way, is that they have to have at least 60 minutes per week. But now the, the, this congressman has helped to increase it to three hours a week. Well, and that's a big change. Is that physical activity or physical education? So, like, does would recess count as that, or free time, or is it structured? Yeah, that's, that's that is really a really good question. So, one one when I when I said physical activity, I meant uh, physical education because on the policy says that it has to be physical activity and then brackets physical education mm-hmm. and 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 uh, and other aspects. But they are having um that they're expecting that pe is the the main focus of this at least 60 minutes a week yeah and that would hopefully mean that there are more teachers hired from your program program yeah exactly so do all teachers have to be licensed to teach pe yes all the teachers has to be licensed to teach pe there's two types of licenses over here a national license and a state license so uh, the, there's two types, also two types of hiring within those licenses. So if you have a national license, you can work in any place in the country. Only at schools, there are they have a federal uh, budget for their school. Hmm. So like for instance, if you're hired, if you graduated from the University of Chihuahua, you can work at Mexico City in, at a school that has a federal budget. But if you have a state license, if you have a federal license, uh, but you want to work at a state school, you need to have a state license. Okay. Um, so that would depend on what would be the, the, the teacher's goal, whether they want to stay in one place or another. The national license gives you a lot of leeway because you can travel around different states. But for some others, uh, the state's benefits are 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 sometimes are even uh, in, in, you can say better. 
Mm-hmm. And sometimes teachers decide to stay within their state to have those benefits instead of traveling with their national license. Yeah. So I guess that leads perfectly into my next question, which is kind of shifting gears from the curriculum. But what is PEAT education like? What's teacher education and PE like there? Is it the same as in the U.S., typically four years and you go into student teaching and so on and so forth? It's it's uh, similar than the U.S. is a four year. It is a four year degree. Um, there are differences w- within the north and uh, southern states schools. It it would depend on also it would depend on the department there the schools are running. For instance, uh, over here at the University of Chihuahua, the the PE curriculum is more health based. Uh, there are few um, PE core classes for PE uh, PE degrees. But um, it, it, it might be different than the U.S. because, because uh, down here, you need to have at least two years within your curriculum. And then within classes, you're not taking, I mean, your whole classes, you're doing, in a way, your student teaching. You're not uh, waiting until the, 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 your last semester with, uh, and then do the student teaching because... Some classes are really required to have a more hands-on, practice-based classes. Mm -hmm. So students, sometimes they have more student teaching within those last two years than probably uh, in one semester. Uh, But at the same time, having a one semester only focusing in student teaching, it is quite beneficial. But it is quite different. And this is how this is it is built down here in at the University of Chihuahua. I know that in Mexico City, um, they wait until the four year to do their student teaching, but it's not just one semester. It is a full year. Right. Uh, and, and then between their student teaching, they do certain classes, if you can say that, which is not a full class. It is just more like um, briefing type of, online class where they need to report their 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 achievements and and teachers they need to they go and visit them at their locations but that's that's one of the biggest changes or the differences between um mexican pit uh pit programs there they could be quite different from one state to another and i think that's very similar to what the u.s is like in in two states that I've taught in higher education in California, you have a four-year kinesiology or similar degree, you take a test, you get enrolled in a one-year teacher licensure program. In Virginia, you do the four years and then your last half year is full-time student teaching. So I can see the differences there. And I guess the last question that I'll ask you is, you know, you're on another podcast with me on talking about a student-centered pedagogical approach through the activist approaches. Uh, in that paper, you talked about studying abroad when you were uh, when you were younger in undergrad. So, and you don't have to, you know, I'm not looking at like what's better, or what's worse, but what's the big difference between your experience in a U.S.-centered classroom and your experience teaching and going through a Mexican PEAT program and, you know, now going in, getting a doctorate in the U.S. with Kim Oliver, learning about a student-centered pedagogy and add all to that. And, 
you know, if, if you're lost about what I'm talking about, you know, as a listener, you should go in and listen to the other podcasts where Oscar talks about, you know, growing up in a, uh, you know, Mexican culture and that's very top down and teacher centered. So where, how do you feel like the two programs compare in, in a U.S. style versus a Mexican style and are there changes being made in the peak curriculum that take a more student-centered approach or is that so ingrained in the culture that's still very teacher-centered? So uh, a short answer is that um, the, the, the teacher-centered personality is quite ingrained in, uh, within the teacher's uh, identities. However, having this experience of, uh, of being here in Mexico and, and also being at the, at the U.S., I see three different worlds over there. Oh, I mean, not over there, in between these two countries. Like, for instance, teaching in um, a U.S. context is, is one world. Teaching in the borderlands within Mexican and, and, and U.S. Uh, border area, it is another world. And teaching down here in Mexico is a different world. So mm-hmm. navigating through these three worlds had had gave me a different perspective of how the differences and similarities are. Um, I can say that there are a lot of uh, similarities in, in type of sports, type of activities that are implemented within the, the Mexican and the U.S. curriculum. The ways of teaching are the, one of the differences. Um, teachers down here are more top-down. Teachers are expected to have the, the, all control and, and over the content plan. But um, I do see as well that within the borderland area, this new world emerged where the combination of different aspects such as language, it creates a different environment. And it creates a different way of how context, cultural background, ways of knowing different games um, emerge as well. Of course, I do see that there are games that are not played here in Mexico, they're not, nor are played in the US. Like for instance, um, Ultimate Frisbee is never played here in Mexico. It is uh, a new sport or new game for a lot of students. Uh, when I first brought this game into my students, they were asking me why why were we playing something different mm-hmm. uh, they never seen before. And and when I was in the U.S., it was it is a quite popular game. Yeah. Um, so I do see differences in those three areas. But another difference that it is as far as you get away from the border the context is the cultural influence takes more over than 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 we expect that uh, like for instance uh PE teachers in Mexico City or surrounding states are their their ways of teaching are more using traditional games uh from from coming from indigenous um communities in order for them to help their students to engage mm-hmm. so um and that gives a different perspective as well. Yeah, absolutely. Last question. How big of an influence is the sport of soccer and PE in Mexico? It is quite, quite big. But that would depend on the state as well. Mm-hmm. Up okay. north states, Sonora, Chihuahua, uh, Nuevo León, basketball and baseball are their main sports. Mm-hmm. So large implement type of games are more popular than soccer. Yeah. Uh, uh, but if you go to southern states or uh, midwest states or 
mid-center stage. Soccer is the big deal. Yeah. Um, one of the reasons I think is that the influence of media. Yeah, uh, but here, but here, uh, like for instance, Chihuahua State basketball and baseball are the major sports that there are played by kids at any level, mm -hmm. and kids ask for those sports yeah. uh, all the time. So, yeah. awesome! Thanks, Oscar, for sharing all of that information. Um, we're gonna add this to the growing number of curriculum podcasts, and I hope to see this in action in Mexico one day. Um, so thanks again for coming on to the podcast. You can follow Oscar on Twitter at OscarNE68, and we'll link to that in the notes. Uh, that's it for the podcast. Thanks, Oscar. Really appreciate oh, thank it. Thank you for having me. Thanks. <laughs>